0: Hello and welcome to ACCESS. I'm your host, Garnet Henderson. I'm recording this episode on Thursday, May 26th. Yesterday, on May 25th, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt signed a law that bans abortion at the point of fertilization. The law had an emergency provision, allowing it to go into effect immediately. So, right now, abortion is illegal in Oklahoma. Scientifically speaking, A fertilized egg is not even a pregnancy. It can't become one until that fertilized egg implants into the wall of the uterus. It is also impossible to pinpoint the moment of fertilization with current technology. So this is a total abortion ban. Plain and simple. It does have exceptions for rape and incest, but only when those crimes have been reported to law enforcement. It also has an exception for life endangerment of the pregnant person, but... As you're going to hear in a new full episode next week, these kinds of exceptions are usually applied very narrowly. They make doctors hesitate to provide life-saving care. This is only one of several extreme abortion bans Oklahoma has enacted in just the last two months. First, in April, the governor signed a bill making it a felony to provide an abortion, although that law doesn't go into effect until late August. Then, just a few weeks ago, the governor signed a law nearly identical to SB-8. That's the Texas six-week abortion ban. That law also went into effect immediately. So abortion has been banned starting around six weeks in Oklahoma for most of this month. While all of these laws claim that pregnant people will not be punished for having abortions, it's difficult to believe that. Because Oklahoma is a state where many people have already been criminalized for their pregnancy outcomes. Most recently, a woman named Brittany Pula was convicted of manslaughter in 2021 after having a miscarriage at 17 weeks. Prosecutors argued that drug use caused her miscarriage, despite a complete lack of scientific evidence to back that up. Oklahoma is also the state where about half of Texans unable to get abortions in their own state had been traveling. So this ban is going to worsen what was already a crisis. To learn more about all of this, I spoke with Dr. Iman Al-Saidan, an Oklahoma abortion provider. Here's our conversation.
1: My name is Iman Al saden I am the medical director of Planned Parenthood Great Plains, which covers Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. So I'm an abortion
0: provider in those states. So yesterday, Governor Stitt signed a total abortion ban. We had known probably that that was coming, but not exactly when it was going to happen. That bill had an emergency provision, so it has gone into effect immediately, um, so tell us what the situation is like in Oklahoma today. What are you dealing with? What are you hearing
1: from your patients? Yeah, so I'm not in Oklahoma. I will be honest. I'm at my home in Missouri. Um, but I know that these bans have affected patients immensely, and they've been affecting the looming nature of the bands of SB1503, SB612, and now HB4327. Have been looming over the citizens, the heads of the citizens of Oklahoma for many weeks. Um, I think if you took a poll of patients in Oklahoma, many of them already thought that abortion was illegal after the governor signed SB 612, which is the total ban with felony um, criminal charges associated with performing an abortion in Oklahoma, Um, even though that doesn't become Uh, that doesn't go into effect until this fall. um, So it will probably be irrelevant. Um, Well, not necessarily irrelevant, I guess, if it goes into effect, then it's a felony rather than just being illegal. Um, So it attaches that criminal action to performing an abortion in the state of Oklahoma. But um, this brings to light a situation where these things are just confusing for people. Um, I think many people don't understand state legislatures, including myself. I think it's this has been a big learning experience for me about how these things actually pass through these channels and how they work. Um, and I don't expect a normal citizen of Oklahoma to put in as much time and effort into learning these things as someone like me did and would, um, because this is my career. Um or related to my career. And so I think people were, are generally just confused about what they can and can't do in Oklahoma. And I think, you know, because of the way that abortion is shamed and stigmatized, we run into this element of like, okay, what's related to abortion? Okay, birth control is related to abortion. Can I get birth control in Oklahoma? Can I get emergency contraception in Oklahoma? Um, and so these are things that people are wondering, um, That aren't really related to the laws, but because these things are generally grouped together as, you know, bad things by the anti-abortion lobby politicians, whatever you want to say, um, you end up with a situation where people really don't know what care they can and can't access. And that's really dangerous. Um, So that's and it's really sad that people don't know that and people are confused. And so I think we're just going to see more and more of that. And more and more shock and disgust and feelings of being betrayed by their own government as they have to leave the state they live in to access care that they need.
0: Right. Yeah. And it was something I hadn't even mentioned yet. There have been numerous other anti-abortion laws passed in oklahoma in this legislative session so there's the one you mentioned that criminalizes providing an abortion um and then there's also a six-week ban in the style of SB8 in texas um so already the extent to which you're able to provide abortions for patients in oklahoma had been limited this year and so i wonder if you can say a little bit about that
1: yeah absolutely um So SB-1503 is not just in the style of SB-8. The author of SB-8 helped them write it for Oklahoma, if you can believe that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we have been watching this for months. Um, We knew that these things were coming down the pipeline. And, you know, when state legislatures can move things through quickly or slowly, they can kind I mean, they can control the speed at which these things happen and it did keep us guessing and it did interrupt services at points where we were thinking things were going to pass or we heard from someone on the hill that on the Oklahoma city hill, I mean, that things were going to pass. Um, and then, you know, we kind of halted services thinking that maybe this would go through today in March or April, you know, and then it didn't. And so, um, when it did finally go through, um, you know, we were really put between a rock and a hard place. You end up in a situation where you've been providing a, a pretty comprehensive part, a pretty comprehensive section of reproductive health care. You know, there are still gestational age limits in Oklahoma, which is like a whole other issue that maybe can be discussed in the far, far future. Um, but, um, you know, you go from providing this pretty com- comprehensive picture of, reproductive health care and essential healthcare to people. And then you go to a place where you really can't provide a lot of that healthcare. And I think that was really difficult for the patients, the people in Oklahoma, our staff and our doctors that provide there, including myself. Um, so that really did interrupt services. It interrupted, um, people's lives in a way that is unacceptable in my opinion people should be able to access abortion in their communities where they live um, and not being able to do that is a devastating thing that when people come to know that um, you know they're very surprised they're very sad and they the people that we see in other places from Oklahoma are lucky that they can make it that far to get the care that they need. hmm And I know
0: that about half of patients from Texas who were unable to get abortions in the state of Texas because of SB8 were traveling to Oklahoma. So had you been seeing a lot of patients from Texas?
1: Oh my God, yes. It was, it was wild. I mean, it it was it was terrible. You know, people we knew that SB8 was going to go into effect or we had a really good idea that it was gonna go into effect. It passed through the Texas legislature in May of 2021. And so we had sort of a little three, four month window of warning um that this was going to happen. And so we tried to prepare as much as possible for the enormous influx of patients that we knew that we were going to have. Oklahoma City is three hours away from Dallas Fort Worth. So just geographically, like people are going to get in their cars and drive rather than like get a plane and go all the way to California or get in the plane and go to New York. You know, I, I think that that was something in our movement that was kind of Overlooked like the ease of someone just getting in their car and driving is going to be preferred to flying on a plane. Um, and so we were as prepared for that as we could be. Um, now you have Oklahoma, which is a state with much less quote unquote abortion infrastructure than Texas um, and many fewer people of reproductive capability that have uteruses. Um, and so you, you we just have there's an infrastructure issue, right? We don't have enough space. Um, And there was also an infrastructure issue in Texas, but they have, you know, more clinics, more doctors are able to sort of, they were able to sort of manage their own abortion seeking population. And now with them being unable to do that, you know, there's 7 million people in Texas that fall into the reproductive capability with uterus category. And so you end up with these people um, really really having to reach outside of their communities and outside of the state that they live in um, to access abortion care.
0: Right. And I've already heard reports from nearby and and not even that nearby states to Texas um, where people, who live in say you know Louisiana, Alabama, certainly Oklahoma already are having trouble getting appointments for an abortion in their own state because of that influx of patients from Texas so i can only imagine that cutting off Oklahoma the next closest state for a lot of Texans you're going to have just a wave traveling outward right
1: yeah yeah i you know and yeah there's a few things at play there you know i think that there was There were a lot of instances of people that live in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, Tulsa being displaced from their own community because of people traveling from Texas. Um, So people that used to have access to this care now don't because there are there's a whole group of other people that don't have access to this care that are now displacing them. So we were actually seeing, and we still see obviously now. You know many Oklahomans in Kansas. So in September to December of 2020, we saw 50 Texas patients in Oklahoma. About Um, and then in that same time period, the next year, so September to December of 2021, we saw 1,100 patients from Texas. So that's 2600 percent increase, 26x increase, or sorry, 22. Um, sorry, I can't do math. Um, just a doctor, not a mathematician. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're just, I mean, if that doesn't say it all, I don't know what does. It's like, there are so many people in Texas that need care. And they were going by and large to Oklahoma. And now all of that, that entire group of people, Texans and Oklahomans can't rely on their states for care. And so you end up with a situation where, yeah, these people are going to basically, like you described, tidal wave kind of situation, leaving their communities to get healthcare. But the more distance you put between basic healthcare and people, the less people that are going to receive or be able to access that care. And so the further out you push someone from their community to get an abortion, you know, you're losing, you're 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 not allowing people to access their basic human rights. By making the distance so great and the time commitment so large and the hurdles so high um, that you're you're going to have a lot of people that just can't access this care. And I guess that's the point, right? These laws are meant to, you know, disproportionately affect people of color, people of low income. Um, These bands are an arm of white supremacy and they're racist. And so they rely on sort of the control of Black and Brown and Indigenous people by, you know, not allowing those people to make personal decisions about their own lives and their reproductive health care. And so people are then kept in this cycle of poverty and. That you end end up with a situation where there's, you know, there's going to be people that are disproportionately affected by this. And those people happen to also be the people of color, um, by and large in this country. And that is really, really devastating. And yeah, it's unacceptable. It's disgusting. It's cruel. Absolutely. And, you know, in
0: the case of this specific law that went into effect in Oklahoma yesterday, Mm -hmm. it bans abortion at fertilization um, which is not actually an identifiable point. So,
1: (laughs) right. Exactly.
0: (laughs) It sounds a little silly, but can you explain as a doctor, when do you consider someone
1: to be pregnant? Um, you know, as a doctor, I think we consider people to be pregnant when they have a positive urine pregnancy test. (laughs) Um, there's definitely no situation or nothing that I ever learned. Um, and I'm not that old, you know, I didn't get out of residency like 40 years ago. Uh, Right. Um, I'm, there's a, there's, there's really no way to know what's going on before that we rely heavily on pregnancy hormone, um, and ultrasound. And so we can't really, you know, identify a pregnancy with our current tools until the pregnancy starts making that hormone. So I guess my answer would be when they have a positive pregnancy test.
0: Right. And fertilization happens weeks before that. As I said, it's not a point that you would be able to identify with any current you know, medical tests.
1: Yeah, not unless you could get on the magic school bus and like really get in everyone's uterus and <laughs> see what's going on in there. No, well, actually the fallopian tube probably.
0: Right. Well, I hope that's not the next step.
1: <laughs> Ums <laughs> Grizzle would never ever allow that to happen. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but one
0: thing that's interesting to me also about this law is that then it also does explicitly exclude contraception. Because I've I've seen a lot of people say, Well, does this mean that IUDs are banned, right? Because IUDs can be used as emergency contraception mm-hmm. and at least based on my read of the text of this bill the answer is no but what's interesting is that it the contradiction is right in there in the text of the law so they're saying abortion is banned at fertilization but contraception is okay as long as it's used before you can detect pregnancy well fertilization happens before you can detect pregnancy
1: also right yeah that's i mean yeah that tracks the whole law doesn't make any sense you know it's like Okay, the exceptions are rape, incest, and then physical medical emergency. Okay, so to me that says you're erasing an entire arm of healthcare, which is mental health. Mm. You know, and that happens to have a lot of intersection with people that are accessing abortion care or, quite frankly, any healthcare. Mm-hmm. To exclude that entire part of medicine just shows that these people just really don't have any grasp of medicine at all. So you're in a situation where people are making these laws that I mean the the crazy things that people say. I you know it's wild. Um, so you have a situation where you have these politicians that know nothing about healthcare and they're making these laws that affect everyone, um, and they can't even explain what fertilization is to you. They think that ectopic pregnancies shouldn't be considered medical emergencies. They should be, why is an ectopic pregnancy different than a pregnancy in the uterus? Like it's not the, it's not the embryo's fault that it's outside of the uterus. Like we should just let it grow and live out its life. It's like, this is so, this is so insane and outside the realm of accepted medical standards and what medical care is that it's, it's just like completely the things that people say, these things are so outlandish and so blatantly lies and so blatantly display that they lack a fundamental understanding of anything about medicine. Um, that it's, it's devastating and gross to see that these are the people that are in charge of people's bodily autonomy in our country. Um, I'm now in a situation where I have Religion basically interfering in my medical practice. And what, where does that lead us as a society? Not anywhere good, I can tell you that. Um, I answer to the medical board, right? Like the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology, you know. And I don't understand as a physician why anyone's belief in any type of God or when life is created is interfering with my relationship with my patients and stopping me from delivering the care that people need. Right. This is a slippery, slippery slope.
0: Absolutely. I almost hate to even ask about this. But the other thing, of course, that's hanging over everyone's head is that the Supreme Court is expected to deliver a decision any day, technically, but probably in June Um, that will just overturn Roe and will allow states in roughly half the country to ban abortion outright. Um, So can you say anything about how you're preparing for that?
1: Well, honestly, Garnett, like we have been in a post-Roe world for the past many months. Mm -hmm. And so we are in a situation now where we have one state where you can Access abortion, which is Kansas. Kansans are voting. Um, they'll be the first state to vote on whether to keep or remove their constitutional protection for abortion in the state in the state constitution. Um, and that's happening on August second. Um, so, really, in Kansas, like in our in our region in the Great Plains region, we've already been living in a post Roe world in many many ways. And if we haven't already actually been living in it, we've been getting a really really good preview of what it will look like with SB8 going into effect and being allowed by Supreme court justices who have no respect for the constitution of this country, um, to stay in effect. And so we have been seeing that for many months, almost a year now. I mean, that's crazy, right? So we are getting as prepared as we can. We are probably, you know, the people that work in this country in abortion or in this area of the country in abortion care are probably the people that are most prepared, um, for this post row reality because we have time and time again had to shift our strategies, move things around, come up with things, um, come up with new systems of how things can work based on what the access is in the area at that time. And so we're very nimble, Um, (laughs) rather, you know, reluctantly or not, you know, we've been really moving around all these ever-changing laws for the past year almost. And, we'll continue to do that and continue to get people the easiest and um, easiest access to care and best care that we, we can.
0: Mm -hmm. And so what would you say um, like to an Oklahoma patient, for example, who needs an abortion and is scared and feels like they don't know what to do? What kind of advice would you give them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would tell them that they can, we are still in Oklahoma, we have been in Oklahoma for decades, we will continue to be in Oklahoma. And so we are happy to serve as a resource um, for any information you want about pregnancy, abortion, um, really any reproductive health care, and we will get you to, we will help to get you to a place where you can access your basic human rights and essential health care Um, and we will help you in whatever way we can, but our doors are open. We're not erased. No one's going to erase us. And we're still here.
0: Great. Well, is there anything else you want to add? Anything I haven't asked you that I should have?
1: I do want to say one thing. So this is a sort of finer point about white supremacy and what we were talking about before, but BIPOC people that want to get pregnant. So if you're thinking about infertility in that community, um, really BIPOC people of low income who want to be pregnant cannot afford infertility treatments. So they, these people, this group of people is in a situation where if they want to be pregnant and they can't get pregnant without medical help, um, they usually can't afford those treatments. Right. And nobody's insurance pays for that. And the state doesn't pay for that either. And then you're looking at a situation. So there's people, there's a group of people that are BIPOC low income people that can't get pregnant if they want to. And then there's another situation on the other side of that where there's people of color in low income communities that now are not going to be able to access abortion at probably alarming rates around the country as more and more places ban abortion after the overturning of Roe. And so you're looking at a situation where people of color with low incomes cannot get pregnant if they want to and cannot not be pregnant if they don't want to. So this is a flagrant, flagrant display of white supremacy and the interest that the government has in removing the bodily autonomy and continuing cycles of poverty of people of color. It's systemic oppression, and it's just to keep people from having autonomy and freedom in order for you know the people at the top to maintain their societal power and privilege. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing that I've been thinking about lately.
0: As always, Access is produced by me, Garnet Henderson. Our logo is by Kate Ryan, and our theme music is by Lily Sloan. Remember, this show relies on your support. You can donate to the show or buy merch, and both of those links are in the show notes. And another great thing you can do is just share the show with a friend. Subscribe to Access wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating or review. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AccessPod and find transcripts on our website, apodcastaboutabortion.com.